Welcome. This is the finale in our series that we've been calling Q&A as we've taken the questions that you most wanted to hear the answers uh, to from the Bible based on the Christmas surveys. And uh, this is a big finish. Uh, We're real excited about the question that we're going to be looking at during our time together uh, today. And at the end of our gathering and all of our services uh, this weekend, we're going to be celebrating communion together as a church family. Uh, But before we do that, I want to answer, to the best of my ability, the last question that you had, uh, and it's a biggie, uh, and the question is, are we living in the last days? Are we living in the last days? And this is going to be kind of like drinking from a fire hose, because the Bible has so much to say about the signs of the last days and this sort of thing. In fact, let me give you some quick statistics in answering this question. Uh, First of all, did you know that one out of every 30 verses in the Bible has to do with the last days? One out of every 30 verses in the Bible. Not only that, there are 216 chapters in the New Testament and over 300 references in the New Testament. So, so almost more than one reference every single chapter in the New Testament. Speaking of the New Testament, 23 of the 27 books in the New Testament talk about the last days. The end of time when God winds the whole thing up. So say all that to say in answering this question in the limited time that we have, uh, there's probably thousands of questions that spring from this one question. Are we living in the last days? But I'm going to give it uh, my best shot. First of all, if you have your Valley Christian Church app, if you go ahead and open that up and you can fill uh, in the blanks and and follow right along, we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture during our time together today, and I think you'll really want to be able to look back on that. But I want to start out Matthew chapter 24. Jesus is uh, speaking here, and it's really after Matthew chapter 23, he goes into great detail about many of the signs of the last day. And then in Matthew chapter 24, at the very beginning, beginning in verse 3, it says, now he sat on the the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately saying, now I had him highlight this, our tech guys, because they ask him three questions. They think it's kind of the same question, but it actually has three completely different answers. It's really important to understand that. They ask him three questions after he said in Matthew chapter 23, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. You're going to see this happen. You're going to see this happen. And they say, when will these things be? In other words, all the things that he said in Matthew 23, and you can read it for yourself. What will be the sign of your coming? They think that's the same thing, and it's actually a second question that's completely different. And then, what is the sign of the end of the age? Those three things are not synonym questions. They're not the same thing, you know, from a different point of view. They're actually three different questions. A couple of them he completely ignores. He completely, he never answers those questions. Uh, but a few of them he goes down and he begins to drill down uh, a lot deeper. Say all that to say, most biblical scholars are in agreement right across the board of all of the verses that are in the Bible, one out of every 30 that we looked at, you know, 23 out of 27 New Testament books talk about it, 95% of the signs that are mentioned in the Bible have already been fulfilled, 95%. Now, the, the whole thing about that is we have to remember when they were said, and we have to know what the history has been since then. In other words, I can't read these signs that Jesus says are going to happen. I can't read it from 2017, my limited American historical background. 
We have to look at it from the time they were said, what's happened since then. Most of them were actually fulfilled in A.D. 70 when Jerusalem was destroyed and the temple was destroyed. Many Christians are waiting for a temple to be rebuilt in Jerusalem today in order for stuff to happen. It already happened. It happened after Jesus said it. He said, you're going to see this happen, and boom. These are the signs. And so it's really important that we have some sort of knowledge of history. Since Jesus said these things, every single generation uh, has believed, that they've looked at these words of Jesus ever since he said this, every generation has believed that this would be the generation that he would return. Every single one for the last 2,000 years. And, and you know what? I feel that too. I, I think it's going to be in this generation. But the interesting thing is history and time is kind of cyclical. There's these patterns. And so we see like dictators rise and dictators fall and persecution unleashed upon the church and then peace uh, for Christianity. And we see this over and over and over again. Time is marching on, but there, there's this repetitive nature uh, of time that is so important uh, for us to realize in answering this question, are we living in the last days. Uh, it, to answer this question, I, I thought the best that I could in, in just one single message. Again, I think I've given you a sense of the scope of this answer, how much the Bible has to say about it. I, I want to spend most of the time in the epistle, second epistle of Peter uh, that he wrote. And, and let me just begin reading there right now. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 10. Just begin reading here, okay? First of all, you must understand in the last days... So Peter's, the Holy Spirit is giving him insight. God is inspiring his words, and he's going to begin to explain what the last days are going to look like. You must understand, in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. Sound like the age we live in? He goes on and he says, and they will say, where is this coming he promised? You know, Jesus, he said that 2,000 years ago. When's he coming back? Come on. That's just old wives' tale. That's just, a, that's just an old legend. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on since the beginning of creation. They're like, you know what? So many generations have happened. That's, sure, that's not really going to happen. Goes on and says, but they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. This is talking about the creation account in Genesis that God said, let there be light. And he created everything by his word. And it goes on and says, and by these waters also, the world of that time was deluged uh, and destroyed. What is he talking about? Noah's Ark. There were only eight people. God destroyed all of humanity except for eight people. Isn't it so funny? I mean, we even have it here uh, at our Hopewell campus, a, a beautiful uh, painting on the wall for our children of Noah's Ark when God destroyed all of humanity, wiped them out. And we think, oh, isn't that cute, those animals and all? It was Holocaust. That's what Noah's Ark was. God destroyed humanity except for eight people. And, and, and he said, I'm never going to do that again. By water. But watch, it goes on and it says, By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. The Bible makes it clear, God will destroy this earth. Not nuclear war, not atomic war. God will one day destroy this planet by fire. Just like Noah's Ark. Just like he did it with water. One day he'll do it by fire as well. And it goes on and says, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. This world's a dangerous place, as we talked about uh, in, in our message in this series. Why do bad things happen to good people? God's got an answer, and he's going to fix it once and for all. 
Bible makes that very, very clear. It goes on and it says, but do not forget this one thing. This is so key. This is huge. Do not forget this one thing. The Holy Spirit is speaking through the Apostle Peter. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. Who's he speaking to? Dear friends. Christians. Those of the Christian faith. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like one day. He's like, don't, don't lose sight of this. We're trapped in time. And so we say, it's been so long. It's been 2,000 years. And Peter, 2,000 years ago said, you know what? It could be a little longer for us, but for God, it's two days. It's just two days time. Now, now let me just stop right here for a minute because this is pretty interesting. Hebrew scholars, Jewish scholars have an interesting perspective on time. They date creation of time 4,000 B.C., 4,000 years before Christ. Since Christ has been how many years? 2,000 years. So Hebrew scholars look back, Jewish scholars, and say, since creation, it's been six days. Six days since creation. 4,000 years, four days before the coming of Jesus. 2,000 years since. Six years God created six days. God created the heavens and earth in how many days? Six days. And the seventh day, he rested. And in the 21st century, if you look at it according to this scripture, we're in day number seven. Very, very interesting perspective, to say the least. And, and, and this is so important. I remember uh, a young lady in our church that passed away. Uh, uh, fought a valiant, brave battle with cancer, Amanda Jones. And, and I remember talking to her in the hospital, and, and I shared this actually at her funeral as well. And, and, and I remember her telling me, she said, I'm going to miss my mommy and daddy. And, and, and I told her, I said, Amanda, you're not going to miss mom and dad because you're going to be with Jesus. And with Jesus, there's no time. We're going to miss you because time drags on. But, but I told her this verse, with God, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. And I said, as soon as you get there, guess what? Boom, boom, your mom and dad are going to be there right next to you. That's how time, when God stands outside of it. So, so we look and we're like, oh, look at all these years that have gone by. God says, two days. It's just been two days. And the Holy Spirit spoke this to Peter to write down and to speak to you and to me as well. And he goes on and he says, the Lord is not slow. This is the reason why this is so important. The Lord, Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. You say 2,000 years, God says it's only two days. He's not slow. Why? As some understand slowness when we're stuck inside time and space, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's why he's waiting. That's why it seems like it just goes on and on. He doesn't want anyone to be separated from him for all time and eternity. It's his patience. It's his love for you and for me. The, the, think about it. What if Jesus had come back 100 years ago? None of us are even here. What if Jesus had returned? What if, what, if, what if the end had come just 20 years ago? How many of your friends, your family, maybe even you yourself... It's over. It's done. This is God's goodness. 
It says he's patient with you, wanting anyone to, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And then it goes on and it says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. There it is again. And again, this is not man's doing that's going to happen. This is going to make this happen. This is God's doing. He's going to do this. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Powerful, powerful statement. What can we learn from, from this passage? Some things in answering to the, the question, answering the question, are we living in the last days? I, I think we need to learn something because obviously, you know, we're a lot closer to it than 2,000 years ago was. And so what can we learn? Here's the first thing that's really, really clear. People will be distracted with life. People will be distracted with life. Let me ask a question. How much of the world are you focused on? Where's your focus? Is it on the things of this world? Or is your focus on eternity? Bible makes it very, very clear. People are going to be distracted by all the things of this world. And they're going to forget and they're going to lose sight. They're going to be focused on the temporary and forget about the eternal. Is this the last days? Are we living in the last days? Let me, let me just boil this down and bring it right down into your front yard. It's the last days for you. You don't get another chance. I, I'm not talking to two and three-year-olds. Most of us as adults, <laughs> the finish line is closer than the starting gate at this point. We're living in the last days. And it's very interesting, again, Matthew chapter 24, what Jesus says here in verse 37. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. It's going to be just like it, what was happening, goes on. For in those days before the flood, people were eating, they're drinking, woohoo, they're marrying, they're giving to marriage. Up to the day that Noah entered the ark, it was business as usual. Everything just going on normal. And then it goes on and it says, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That's how it's going to be. That's how the end is going to happen. It's just going to be like, ho hum, business as usual. That's the words of Jesus himself. You may have read all kinds of great Christian fiction, but this is the words of Jesus. It's going to be ho hum, just like business as usual, like it was with Noah. No, no, boom, and then it happens. Just like that. And so people will be distracted, drinking, eating, marriage, business, all those things are going on. And then the flood happened, and it took them all away. So the first thing is people will be distracted with life. Here's the second thing. People will forget about God. People will forget about God. Now, this is pretty interesting. I, I, for probably over 10 years now, I would say, maybe even longer than that, I, I've loved studying generational patterns of the generations in the United States. Let me show you something very interesting. Under this point, this idea of people will forget about God. Just looking at the four generations that are alive right now in, in the United States. First of all, we see the builder generation. Those, that's those that were born between 1927 and 1945. Of the builders, that generation, 65% of those born in that generation are Bible-based believers. 65%. 
Look at the next generation, the boomer generation. The boomers are those born between 1946-1964. 35% of those are Bible-based believers, Christians, that believe in the Bible. 35%. So in one generation, we drop from 65% down to 35%. More than half. Just dropping like that. Gen X, this is my generation. Gen X, those born between 1965-1983, 1963, 16%. Only 16% of Gen X would identify themselves as Bible-believing Christians. Only 16%. They'll forget about God. It's one of the signs of the end. What about the millennial generation? Millennials? Those born between 1984 and 2000, 4%. Only 4% in the United States would identify themselves, I'm a Bible-believing Christian, follower of Jesus Christ. By the way, that's the sweet spot for us as a church, Valley Christian Church. That's our sweet spot, or Xers and millennials. That's reaching those two generations that most of the Christian church in the United States of America is not reaching. By far, it's crazy disproportionately. How many adults in Valley Christian Church that, that are partners and regularly attend Valley Christian Church are in that millennial generation and that Gen X? It's, it's probably over 70, 75% of our adults. And, and largely in the United States, churches are not reaching that demographic. That, that's the second thing. People will forget about God. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, Jesus put it this way, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Because of wickedness. Because things that God says are wrong, that are evil, that are wicked, and our culture says, no, that's okay, that's right, just do whatever feels good. Doesn't matter, there's, there's no real such thing as truth. I mean, there really isn't, it's whatever feels good to you. If it feels good, just do it. Jesus said, there'll be an increase of wickedness and the love of most will grow cold. Here's the third thing we need to learn about the, the signs of the, the end that we find in Peter. Are we living in the last days? People will not be ready. Folks are going to be surprised. People will not be ready. Again, back to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 24, verse 40. He says what it's going to be like. Two men will be in the field, and one will be taken, and the other one will be left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken, and the other one will be left. Therefore, keep watch. Be vigilant. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Jesus made it clear. No one will know. It doesn't matter who says, I've got the inside Bible code. I can tell you based on this, that, and the other. Guess what? If that's true, Jesus is a liar. I'm siding with Jesus. It doesn't matter how many self-proclaimed Bible prophecy experts. No one has ever been right once. And Jesus said, no one will be right. No one will know. That's why we have to keep watch. Keep watch. Because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. Many will be surprised. People will not be ready. See, <clears throat> in answer to this question, we don't really need to know what time it is. Is this the time that he's going to return? Is this the time? What we really need to know is what are we supposed to do with the time God's given us? 
That's, that's the big question. No one's going to know, is it time or are we closer? We're closer today than we were yesterday. And tomorrow will be even closer. But what we really need, the burning question is not, is this the last days? Yeah, it's my last days. It's your last days. What are we going to do with the time that God has given to us? What should we do? That's the, that's the burning question. What should we do? I love this verse in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. It talks about a certain group in, in the nation of Israel at the time named the men of Ishkar. And, and it says they understood the times, watch this, and they knew what Israel should do. And that's what my prayer is for the Valley family, that we would be men and women of Ishkar. That, that we would understand the time that God's given us this time. What does he want us to do? What does he want us to do? Not, not just waste our time, not just fritter it away, not, not just be busy doing all kinds of stuff that don't matter for time and eternity. But, but to be busy, focus on not this world, but on eternity and making a difference in this world for all eternity's sake. That, that's, I, I love this description of this group of uh, men of Ishakar. They understood the times and they knew what Israel should do. First Peter chapter 4 is very interesting. Peter puts it this way, very clear. <laughs> the end of all things is near. And he said that 2,000 years ago. The end of all things is near. So are we living in the last days? Yes. Yes. We're much, much closer than Peter was when he said this. Much, much closer. And what I want to do in the remaining time that we have together in answer to the question... What should we do? We understand the time. What should we do with what we know? What does God expect from us? I just want to unpack the rest of 1 Peter chapter 4 because he goes into some great detail about the last days and, and what the important perspective is and what God is expecting for you and for me. Because, you know, as I said, for me personally, I'm going to be turned 50 this year. I don't plan on, I, I don't think I'm going to be living to 100. So what does that mean? I've got less days left than I've already burnt up. What does God expect of me, what does God expect of you? Here's the first thing: He expect think clearly. I should think clearly. I should have a clear perspective on what's going on in this world. This is what He says. The rest of the verse, First Peter chapter four, verse seven, it says, "The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded, be self-controlled, so that you can pray." Focus on what really matters, not all the stuff that doesn't. Be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you spend time praying. It's amazing how much prayerfulness is equal to peace. And prayerlessness is equal to anxiety and fear. Amazing, the parallel between the two, the balance between the two. And, and, and what does Peter, Peter say? The end of all things is near. Therefore, because of all this, be clear-minded, be self-controlled. Don't, don't be indulging every desire that you have. Be self-controlled. Walk by the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can pray. Think clearly. In fact, I love in Philippians chapter 3 what Paul says, kind of the same idea here in Philippians chapter 3 verse 18 
He says, for I have told you often before, and he's writing to Christians in the church of Philippi, so he's writing to you and I by the Holy Spirit's inspiration. For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct show that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. Now he's writing to Christians here. Don't miss this. We're just going to read through this. It's just, it's, it's so enlightening. it's such an incredible, it's like the light comes on. When you understand the context, he goes, I'm crying my eyes out about this. That there are many whose conduct show they're really enemies of the cross of Christ. They're not living their life to serve Jesus Christ. Jesus is not the Lord of their life. They may attend church every single week. They're just checking off a box, but there's nothing about their behavior that shows my life belongs to Jesus Christ and I live to please him. It goes on and it says, They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. And they think only about this life here on earth. Paul says they have lost the clarity of perspective. All they're thinking about is right here and now. All they're thinking about Everybody's working for the weekend. That's it. He goes on and he says, but we are citizens of heaven. There's that eternal perspective to think clearly. We're citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we're eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. Let me ask you a question. Are you eagerly awaiting him? I I mean, if it's up to me, it's okay if he returns before this message is over. I'd be totally fine with that. I'm not, you know, there's not going to be any regret when, when Jesus returns for those who have trusted their life uh, in him and he's their Lord and Savior. It's not going to be like, oh, man, I never got my Mercedes Benz. No one's going to think that. I, you know, I never got to, to retire and play golf for the last 10 years of my life. There's no regrets. There's going to be complete and total fulfillment. We're eagerly waiting for him to return as Savior. And Paul continues... We will take, he will take, this is awesome. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Man, do you realize what's going to happen? God's going to take our frail, weak bodies, Jesus, and going to just inject them with the power, the resurrection power that Jesus demonstrated. Lord, I'm going to have a full head of hair again. I'm going to have a man bun in eternity. I can't wait. I'm going to rock the man bun for all eternity. I mean, Samson, you ain't seen nothing yet. Where do you get a hold of my locks? And it's not going to be gray. It's going to be blonde again, baby. You just wait. You can't. You're not going to be able to keep your hands off me, although that doesn't happen in eternity. Anyway, he, he's, going to, he's going to take our mortal bodies and cause them to be glorious by the same power. And he's going to take total control over creation total control over creation I should think clearly not lose sight of that my citizenship is in heaven that's the perspective here's the second thing I should focus on relationships but what should we learn we're living in the last days where's our focus relationships not possessions Do you know the only thing that will be in eternity that you have right now? 
are your relationships. Not your house, not your car, not your clothes, only relationships. And, you know, let's be honest, as Christians, we mess this up so much. We, we, we mess this up. This is why at Valley Christian Church, relationships are so important. This is why we have small groups. We're building for eternity, that we're sharing our lives with one another. Because you know what? We're going to be together forever and ever and ever. What, 80 years on this planet? It's a, it's a blink. It's a blink of an eye. It's a flash compared to eternity. The only thing that lasts forever are the relationships that we've cultivated and that we've formed. This is why, next verse in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, it says, above all, love each other deeply. Why? Because relationships carry over. That, that's why I could say to Amanda Jones, I was like, honey, your mom and dad are going to be there before you know it. How could you say it? Because I know they love Jesus Christ as well, just as much as Amanda did. Boom, boom, they're going to be right there next to her. Above all, love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hospitality is a big deal to God. And I think for so many of us as Christians, we don't even see that as a big It's a huge deal having people in our homes. Certainly being hospitable in a church environment. And we work really, really hard as Valley Christian Church staff to create an environment that's hospitable and friendly. It's amazing how many churches are just stone cold, not friendly. Nobody talks to, to, to a, a guest who walks in. Would you ever do that in your house? A guest shows up at the door, and you just, and you don't say anything? Hospitality is a huge, huge issue. I should focus, I should, I should think clearly, I should focus on relationships. Here's the third thing based on the fact that we're living in the last days in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4. I should make a difference. I should make a difference with my life. Look at it, verse 10, 1 Peter chapter 4. Each one of us should use whatever gift we have received. How? To serve others. To serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. This is such a, a huge deal. This, this, this is like part of what makes me go as a, as a pastor, as a leader, is helping people discover the gifts that God has given to them and how they fit into the big picture of what God's doing on the planet. This is why we have growth track. You, you give us four weeks. We have growth track uh, in Hopewell Thursday nights and Sundays as well, 9.30, 11.30. You, just four hours over the course of one month total, four total hours, and you'll discover the unique way that God created you, the personality and the spiritual gifts, and how they plug in, and how you can fulfill this. That's so important because we're living in the last days. Each one of us should use whatever gift that he has received to serve others faithfully, administering, administering God's grace in its various forms. And it goes on and says, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. Hopefully that's what I'm endeavoring to do. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. God wants us 
to glorify him in everything that we do. Everything that we do. And so it's so important that we spend the days that he has given to us making a difference in this world. This is so exciting. Are we living in the last days? Yes. Listen, I don't know if you're aware of this, but, but let me just lay this statistic on you. Do you know that in the 21st century, we're in 2017 now, in the last 17 years, this is, this is a fact that can be proven. In the last 17 years, because of the population of the planet right now, more people have received Jesus Christ as their Savior in the last 17 years than in the previous 20 centuries combined. In the last 17 years, God is waiting. I'm so glad that he's waiting. He's waiting for us to do what he's called us to do. He's waiting for us to share the gospel. He's waiting for us to allow the Holy Spirit to shine through our lives that people would say, I'm not sure I believe everything that they say, but I want what they've got. I'm not sure that I have every question answered, but there's something different about those folks at Valley Christian Church. There's something I can't deny. I don't know I I agree with it all, but man, I like hanging out with them. God gets the praise. God gets the praise through our lives because we're living to make a difference. What does that mean? We need to give all that we can. We need to serve all that we can. We need to work as hard as we possibly can. You you know, take a break in eternity. It's going to be a long time. I want to die with my tongue hanging out and sweat on my brow working for Jesus Christ. That's what I want to do. That's that's what my aim is. I'm not retiring. Greg Williamson isn't retiring. I may do something a little bit different, you you know, when when I hit the the ripe old age of uh, 112 or something like that. But I want to be busy. Jesus returned. I want to be busy working for him, not pleasing myself and just la-di-da-di-da. Here's the fourth thing we should do because we're living in the last days. I should receive God's grace. I need to receive God's grace every day in my life. Maybe it's the first day for you to receive God's grace today. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you be? What kind of people should we be? Since we're living in the last days, since we know that at some point, God, Jesus is going to return and just roll this world up like a scroll. What should we do? How should we live? I, I just want to read because I, I don't even need to really comment on it, but the Bible makes it clear. This is how we ought to be. This is the people, the kind of people we ought to be. Look at the rest of the verse. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. It goes on. But in keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. You, you, you think, you, you look at the most beautiful sunset over the, the sands of the beach is nothing compared to the new world that he's going to make. Many, many Christians have this wrong. Like, oh, I thought we were going to be in heaven forever. No, we're not. 
when Jesus returns, he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth for all those who have received him as their Savior and Lord, where righteousness dwells. It goes on and it says, So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, our focus is on eternity, not this world. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Jesus, with him. Let me ask you a question. Are you at peace with him? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you at peace with him? It goes on and it says, bear in mind that our Lord's patience, what does it mean? Salvation. He's being patient because he loves us. He, he loves every single one of us. He loves humanity and he loves each of us individually. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with wisdom that God gave him. That now the apostles, they're, they're recognizing the Holy Spirit was speaking through Paul. Peter's saying, it's speaking through me as well. God gave us insight into what's going to happen. It goes on. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters, of the end of days, the end of time. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. People still just, just twist in scriptures today. Peter goes on and he says, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, and that's what I'm doing in this message, I'm warning you. I, I, I don't want anyone to ever, you know, when we stand before Jesus Christ uh, on that day of judgment, I don't want anyone ever coming up to me that attended a Valley Christian Church service and say, you never told me that. You, you, never, you never warned me. You never told me that. You've been warned now. Therefore, dear friends, since we've been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. Be on your guard. Don't lose sight of what really matters. Eternity goes on and says, here it is, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's why we gather like this. That, that, that's why coming together as a church once a week and then in small groups a few times uh, uh, during the month, that's why it's so important. Why? Because we need to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right there from the pages of Scripture. That's why we do what we do here at Valley Christian Church. We're not trying to, to, to fill your calendar with events. We're trying to follow through with what God wants us to. We, we don't have any events and activities in this place just to keep people busy. I refuse to do that. I don't want to waste your time. But what I do want for you and what I want for myself as well is based on this scripture. I want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now in this world and forever through eternity. There's the perspective right there. Amen. Amen. Are we living in the last days? We're living in your last days. We're living in my last days. And I think based on what we've just looked at in God's word, we've been able to answer the question. So I'm gonna ask right now, would you just bow your heads, close your eyes and let's pray. And with your your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want to read one other verse. 
and just listen to it. Because I think we all have to ask ourselves the question, what kind of life are we living? Do, do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? He's being patient with you. The Bible says in Isaiah, seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will forgive you generously. Generously. I would be missing a major opportunity right now if I didn't give you the chance, anyone and everyone who's in the hearing of my voice right now, to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ today if you've never done that. It's real simple with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. All, all you have to do is pray, God, pardon me. Forgive me. Jesus, take over my life. Be the Lord of my life. I want to live for you. I receive what you did for me through your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. I receive your grace. I give you my life today. Amen. Amen. Boy, there's no better decision. There's no greater decision than you could ever make in your life than entrusting your life to Jesus Christ. In just a minute, we're going to give you some more instructions prayed that prayer for the first time about how you can take the next step in your spiritual journey in your relationship with Jesus Christ to grow in that grace just like we talked about the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ I can't wait until we see him face to face and we hear those words from our Savior that none of us really deserve but he's still going to say, well done, good and faithful servants. Thank you. Thank you for listening to audio from Valley Christian Church located in Hopewell Junction, New York. Please visit us online at valleychristianchurch.net for more information. Thank you.